0: Yates on Sunday on News Talk. Brought to you by SSE Electricity Business Energy. Proud to power businesses all over Ireland. Energy at work for you. Every week, at this time, we do a big, lengthy profile personal interview. We talk to someone of interest about their lives, the political social issues confronting Ireland today. This week, my guest is someone who is not part of the national groupthink of particular interest to Yates on Sunday. My guest is financial advisor, television presenter, author, columnist, and not afraid to be controversial, the inimitable Eddie Hobbs. You're very welcome to the show, Eddie. Thank you very much, Ivan. Now... People might say, Eddie who? For the last year, you know, having been very high profile on TV programmes and so on, as presenter and and so on, we we, we haven't seen a lot of you. In fact, the last memory we have of your big high profile was launching Ray Were you vice president or vice chairperson? Where where have you been? What happened with Ray
1: Well, I um, um, I suppose I I kind of went went into a decontamination chamber for a year after being involved in politics. Um, I I ended up, um, uh, although I made it quite clear to the co-founders of Renew at the very start that I had no interest in becoming a public uh, representative. Um, uh, I I I kind of spent six months before the general election uh, uh, at at the request of of the group, really in the attic, uh, for fear of scaring the public sector vote. And uh, So that's, that's six months there and then 12 months after stepping down as president, which was after the calamity of the outcome of the general election, uh, ma- I made an attempt to try and shift the political uh, centre towards uh, a liberal, uh, socially liberal party, you know, with conservative economically but socially liberal and um, that didn't quite come off and that's quite clear now because the centrifugal force has now um, taken over so... I think now the uh, it, where it's positioned itself now really is where I think the public grasped it to be from day one, um, probably uh, probably ahead of some of the the rest of us. In and the what backup. is the
0: defining DNA of Ray Nua?
1: Well, I think now it's, I, it, it has what I would ca- now call a Stepford um, strategy. Stepf- as in the Stepf- what does that mean? Stepford Wives' uh, famous Who are they? movie. Well, it's, I don't it's watch against, enough movies. Well, it's against, uh, it's against tax individualisation. So it wants Mummy back in the kitchen and and pro pro the eighth amendment. So it's very much gone into deep conservative, social conservative territory.
0: A God Squad?
1: Yeah. I think well the God Squad, um, uh, if you want to call it that, I suppose you could say have now taken over with what the, what remains of the of the, the of Renew in my opinion. Now I've been keeping those opinions to myself for a year because I felt it would be unfair uh, to, to make any comments or, or get involved in you know, let's see how this goes. But that seems to be where it's pitched. So, at, so, put
0: it like this. They didn't win any TDs. No, Lucinda lost her seat. Mm. Billy Timmins lost her seat at Al. Um, First of all, do you regret getting involved? Because uh, I would have thought, like, take now for example, people think I have a vote in the Gael thing. I said, actually, when I started working in media in 2009, I actually handed in my card for Finnegale, and I've done my best to try and be independent. So therefore, joining a political party for you actually screwed over a bit of a media career from a presenting point well, of it view. Did.
1: Well, it did, and I was aware of that, and uh, that's the price you pay. And um, I felt I, I needed to get off the fence and, and get involved. And when I was asked to get involved, I, I saw the beginning of a possible new political organisation that seemed to make appeal to me uh, it seemed to me making the right noise certainly had very very good backroom people involved I mean really very good people uh, but, uh, but it just didn't I just don't think it had it at the front end and um, uh, and the outcome of the general election. Where did it
0: go wrong for him? Well,
1: well, I think I think I think it just didn't get its message out itself. It wasn't. I think that there was an internal conflict. I mean, the the freedom of conscience fig leaf. Uh, really, uh, I didn't. I don't think the public bought that very much. I think there was a swing against, you know, the Fianna Gael anyway in the election, and and the the three candidates that we had as sitting TDs were were swept up in that. I think there's an element of that, but I really wouldn't have the political expertise to analyse it beyond that. Jimmy, oh,
0: we would put it like this: from your own experience, mm-hmm. having been a hurler on the ditch and a mm-hmm. commentator, do you, do you regret getting involved in politics? And what would you advise someone else who you know who might be? publicly policy-minded to get involved in politics, would you say? Because I remember telling you, Eddie, are you stone-cracking mad mm. to do this? This is not a good move. And it was nothing to do with RENUA. I just think, I, you know, you shouldn't give up a good day job for nothing.
1: Well, well the, I suppose what I've learned, well, what's, what's been confirmed to me uh, from my own experience is that there's not really a lot of room for idealism in Irish political life it seems to be very much driven by the pragmatism of getting elected and getting power at. the mechanics of yeah, constituency of
0: clientelism
1: well yeah i think that um um i think that the fundamental problem we've got um which is why the health system seems to be unsolvable housing is a problem for the same reason is that our political system isn't fit for purpose? That's that's what's confirmed to me. Well, it's let's
0: get on to that. What's what's wrong with our political system? Well,
1: I think well, it's been looked at several times along these lines, so it's nothing new. But um, we have a multi we have multi seat constituencies. I think that uh, that breeds local clientelism. Uh, It it means that loyalty is to the constituency first and to the state second. So therefore, if you come forward with long term plans that might make pragmatic sense, but they come at a local constituency political cost, You're, you're swinging out there in the wind. It's a very, very difficult thing to do. Um, And also I think that the, um, uh, I I I think until such time as we end up in a situation where we have single seat constituencies, probably with an open list system um, and the the election to the national parliament of people that will take an oath of allegiance to the state first.
0: Where their constituency is the entire country.
1: Exactly. I I think think we're, uh, and we have a much more collegiate political system. But to do that, contrarily I think what you need to do is shift power down to uh, much more down to local councils in order to counterbalance so that local people have a sense of control of of local events of real local power and that the National Parliament gets on with dealing with national issues Uh, so um, that makes it when you look at the current situation notwithstanding the changes. What do you make in new politics? Well I don't make much of it I mean mean, I've been anybody else looking and you can see that notwithstanding the the eulogies now around the changes in Fine Gael I remember the eulogies around the changes in Fianna Fáil when Brian Cowan took over and he was a, a master of the universe you know he was a great intellect etc he was going to make a great teacher. I've heard it all before this time we we, we, we you know, we have a minority administration. If we have another general election, unless Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil uh, get into some kind of formal alliance, we're going to have another minority government. And uh, we have a minority government on top of a deeply dysfunctional political system that's not generating uh, national politicians of the calibre that we require to deal with the really long-term problems that we need to resolve. So, I mean... You, you you have to be a realist and say you don't. I, I can't see much change, and I don't think uh, I don't think new politics is anything but um, old politics in a different package.
0: Well, if our political system and our electoral system is almost dysfunctional, the permanent government, our public admi- uh, administration system, is it any better?
1: Well, if you look, well, certainly in my, in my, my background from from the early nineties forward, have I've locked heads with. Um, uh, I believe in, you know, symbiotic systems where, you know, where everybody works together and everybody's interconnected in a fair way. And and I've tackled head on those where I felt that there was excessive power-parasitic uh, relationships. So, for example... Um, back in the back in the early nineties I, I took down the endowment mortgage industry and then I had took on the insurance cartel. I I brought in a kite marking, um, a benchmark when Charlie McCreevy launched the SSIAs, which really boxed the banks into ensuring that they brought out deposit products that were linked to the E C B base rate. And so it went on. Then there was ripoff for public and, and 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 a look at all of that and and really the the uh, when the global financial crisis hit, and Ireland then was dealing with its problems, it was quite clear that there was a remaining uh, uh, what I would call excessive power and that excessive power the you know every country has an elite that has that can have excessive power no more than America has it i mean it's owned by cor- corporations own america uh, our, our issue here is different. I think that there's excessive power in the public sector in Ireland. Uh, and and that it's overpriced as a consequence of that, and consequently there's wealth transfers going from the private to the public sector. That's always been my position on it. Um, I, I'd often get painted as some kind of a neoliberal um, uh, person, uh, you know, ba- banging away on the right. No, I don't I don't look on uh, on the world as left and right. I I look on it as a, a, an unfair transfer of of power. And one of the great issues we've got quite apart from housing and so on, is, and we're not looking at it at all, is that we have two huge black holes that nobody is talking about. And those black holes are, we have a €100 billion euro black hole in the pension fund for those who are working for the state. And we have a, a €324 billion black hole in the Social Insurance Fund. That's the old
0: age pension. Is, yes,
1: where the old age pension is going to come from. And, it's, and By what year? When you but, say €324
0: million, well, is it by 2050 or when?
1: No, about, well, over the next four decades. Uh, so it 's so really 2060. So. Yeah. okay and um, but but the uh, the, the, the one hundred billion in the public sector is much closer because the, because the average age is much older so um, that that needs to be looked at in the context of the current round, so when I saw for example the public sector pay commission report coming out. It just didn't tackle the issues. It didn't want to put a value on security of tenure. I thought
0: it did put a value on the pension 12 to 18% or something no, but like that.
1: No, but that, that was just a complete false analysis. I mean, it, it, it said that the uh, that the public sector pension was worth between 12 and 18% more, but compared to pensions that don't exist in the private sector anymore. Which it's all is defi-
0: defined contribution yeah, now.
1: Yeah, it's defined contribution. And um, uh, so they were comparing it against uh, fully locked and loaded, healthy <laughs> defined benefit schemes, not allowing for the risks, adjusting for the risks. So it was a very flawed report, in my opinion, and it was deliberately designed to facilitate negotiations. So flawed
0: insofar as it didn't take account of job security or flawed in terms of it didn't make international comparisons? It, Specifically, where well, is I, it flawed? well, I, well if, Because if, the talks are starting tomorrow. And if it's a flawed report on which it's starting those mm-hmm. talks, where do you think we're heading?
1: Well, I mean, it's it's a political. It's 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 to me, it's a political. It's political theatre. Uh, the uh, it didn't put a value on security of tenure, which is the most valuable benefit in kind you can have, because it said it's too complicated, which I completely reject. It didn't. It didn't adjust for the fact that uh, that the defined benefit pension schemes are, exist and very risky financial markets, aren't and aren't guaranteed, and more. And the worst thing of all that it did was it compared. Public sector pension scheme against non existent schemes in the, in, the, in the private sector workforce. They only exist for a very small proportion of the workforce, less than 16%.
0: Beyond that particular public sector issue, you've identified this time bomb of, for everyone, public and private and so on, self employed, this issue of the time bomb of the old age pension, whatever it is, 12 grand at the moment, and 324 billion. Uh, my understanding is, if you look at the UK and other global solutions to this, it's an auto-enrolment pension scheme, and I've seen variations from one-third employee, one-third employer, one-third state to four percent employee and employer and two percent state. Do you have a blueprint in mind because you are a pension expert uh, in terms of you know workers who are now entering the workforce and dealing with the twenty sixty issue? What is your best solution? Well,
1: well firstly, I think uh, it's very important for everybody to understand that we're all interconnected, both the public and private sector. We're interconnected. It's the same problem. Um, a, a lot of public sector workers' pensions are built are linked to the social insurance fund because they're integrated with the old age pension. That's, a, that's, that's, that's an issue that's lost on a lot of people. It's a very, very important issue. So you can't separate one from the other. Um, we, uh, we obviously need to have a, an adult conversation around the actual proper funding of this. So there needs to be, in my opinion, a replacement with a universal pension scheme for which employers, private workers and public sector workers mandatory. all contribute. Yes, it will have to be mandatory if it's going to work because if it's not mandatory, it won't work, unfortunately. And, um, and, and, and we also have to look at a very very close look at when the benefits become payable and if the benefits become payable later in your life you should get more and earlier in your life you should get less because uh, we're now living i mean the, the if you take the biggest fine benefit pension scheme in Ireland Ivan uh, the 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 average age of mortality now is out into the mid 80s so people expect to retire at 60 65 and and work you know and and to be paid well well into their 80s or indeed into their 90s and that's just not affordable you can't you can't run Anything where for every one year that you work, you're not working for nearly another year. I mean, that's just not possible. So ergo? Well, I mean... To raise the pension age, is that what you're Well, well I, think, I think there needs to be a proper exa- independent examination of it nationally and, uh, and, and the implementation of a universal pension scheme that, that, that's affordable and that builds over time and that employers come behind as well. Because if we don't, uh, these black holes are going to pop up in the future and there'll be an emergency response, huge tax increases... And and everybody fighting for, um, for, for 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 diminishing resources.
0: Tell us about um, how the recession has affected you. Um, to be honest with you, I, having gone bankrupt myself, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I'm not really into war stories of it. But you have been subject to a lot of criticism about Brendan Investments mm. and property in Detroit, which didn't work out well. Just give us a pen picture of what happened mm. uh, in terms of your investment funds and where things are now. Well,
1: the um, the well, firstly, in 2006, um, I had written a book, and in it, I had a, I had I not I showed that I thought there was a huge credit bubble in Ireland was going to go. I thought there was huge problems in the United States. I was recommending people to reduce their debt to 50% of their balance sheet, buy gold, get out of equities, buy bonds, um, and move your money to AAA-rated banks. But what I, what I failed to see was the degree to which the global financial system is interconnected and uh, i've spent the last best part of the last 10 years continuing to read into all of that to try and get an understanding of what really happened around 2008 and maybe we'll come back to that because um because i believe it's a pa- it's a pattern of events we're in rather than a one points off event and and that has implications for everybody um,
0: but so, beyond the sort of sort of macro cyclical point, yeah. just tell us about Brennan Investments. Well, well,
1: well, we, yeah, How I, much money was involved? Well, like a, Did investors bef- lose? Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, including myself, um, we set up a fund in 2007, which was before the global financial crisis. It invested in Germany. Uh, Germany, I thought, would be pretty immune from problems. It wasn't. It, the, the credit crunch hit every, everywhere. A uh, decision was taken to exit Germany and go into um, the United States. Around two thousand and twelve, and three years ago, I, I retired as a as an as a, as a non executive director. So I, that was my, that was my last board meeting around that time, and roughly the it was one of the sur- last surviving fu- leverage funds from before the global financial crisis. The the, the original cash was down to around fifty percent, so the equity was down to about fifty percent from a gross of, figure of of the opening position of around twelve point seven million. So okay. it, was, it was it was around five and a half five five and a half six. And um the plan was by the people running the company, the executive directors, to get it back to maybe seventy percent one hundred percent by the end of this year and um the The latest report which the uh, which the executive directors have brought out seems to indicate that that 's not happening quite the opposite the The fund seems to have so even it.
0: though you 're not involved because of your profile, are you a magnet for uh, shareholder pain
1: well i don 't well 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 th- Probably, uh, I, 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 I mean that's just human, uh, human nature um, Obviously it's, it's, it's a very ugly outcome uh, for everybody involved It's very painful for people, I accept that completely painful So community. tell us about your day job Well my day job is and it has been for the last 25 years I'm, I, I act as a financial advisor to basically an SME private client base Mostly business owners, professionals, that type of thing Nationwide also, or in Na- or? Well, All over the place, yeah, yeah, including a lot of public sector workers as well And um, I advise on around a quarter of a billion of financial assets. Uh, I have a small staff. I've always kept it low key. And um, that's been the day job. I got involved um, in in television really by accident, Uh, I suppose, around 2001, 2002, when I got involved in Show Me The Money and it moved on from there. Rip off Republic, all those. Yeah, yeah, but before that, I was was involved with the Consumer Association of Ireland and... um, and then I did Rip Off Republic and I wrote several books, you know, all the royalties yep. to the Jack and Jill Children's Foundation. I've been a patron of it since 2005. And um, so a, a lot of the... So your, your day job is financial planning, really? Well, na- yeah, it's, it's, I, I act as a, as a balance sheet advisor, really. So I'm constantly trying to advise business owners to get money off the table and away from the source of the main source of risk, which is the Irish economy.
0: OK. New Taoiseach... New entry. We've got the challenges of Brexit, Trump, uh, housing crisis, uh, public sector pay issues. If, if 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 you got a call from Leo and say,
1: "Look, uh, Eddie, give me some advice," what would you say to him? Well, I'd say I would say that you need to uh, look very seriously at at how we make Ireland more agile uh, and and f- uh, to respond to crises when they occur which isn 't the case we 're not very agile at responding to crisis, and we have to become more agile because there's going, because there 's more ahead and um, and how do we go about doing that um especially given the the, the unless we get the political reform i 've identified it 's very difficult to see how some of the more intractable long term problems are going to be solved but um it is my opinion uh, um from the from the reading that I do that the uh, that the global financial crisis in two thousand and eight is part of a pattern of events which goes back to the 1998 long-term capital management collapse in, in Wall Street, which nearly brought the global financial system then to a close. Um, we then had the dot-com bubble burst in 2002, uh, where the total amount loss was around £5, five trillion. So what are you predicting now? Well, I think that the, I think the global financial system, which is now carrying even more debt than it was carrying in 2008... With all the
0: quantitative easing?
1: Yes, is, is inherently even more unstable and that um, uh, the the central scenario we're all betting on, including Leo and his policies when he's Taoiseach and my business and news talk, everybody's betting on the central scenario that we're in a long-term period of uh, subnormal economic growth and a gentle repair of all the excess debt that's there because debt has gone up through the roof, uh, Ivan, since. I mean, the the national debt is about 17% of GDP higher than what it was in 2008, and all the off-balance sheet debt, Pensions and so on has gone up as well, so um, so the, so debt has been growing at a faster rate than economic growth for too long. Brexit, yeah.
0: What do you think we should do about Brexit?
1: Well, the the, the breg- Brexit is is one of the two major challenges, obviously, that we face, um, a- along with the what I call Trumponomics. You know, the, the the reduction of corporation tax in the United States. Brexit really is going to come down to uh, our ability to react to what's going to occur in the negotiations over which we have very little control between Britain and, uh, and the EU. And until such time as the outcome of those negotiations are known, we really, it's very hard to know exactly how we should be positioning ourselves. Um, it does look at this early stage that uh, a hard Brexit uh, seems to be where, where it's going to end up. Um, the Brits seem to be dug in on, on on not paying a very substantial amount of money towards the EU fund, and if that's the breaking point very early in the negotiations, we could have a hard Brexit. So overall, and in conclusion, uh,
0: Eddie Hobbs, father, self-employed guy, maybe returning to media. Are you optimistic for the future? Well,
1: uh, well, well, well. The answer to that is you. The, the, there's a there's a huge change coming in terms of technology with artificial intelligence. Um, that's going to wipe out a lot of labour. But so so societies need to move towards basic income models, in other words, away from what we've got at the moment to something else. And that, that's a big transition. I think that the biggest issue that we all face over the next while is the global financial system and, and, and its instability and, and how we deal with it. In terms In terms of Ireland, housing is such a huge problem and it's not being dealt with. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, should we be, should we be reforming the political system so that it's capable of dealing with these problems? Because we have a housing crisis and a health crisis. And very finally, professionally, personally, do you think you're miscast in the, the media and the public consciousness? It doesn't bother me too much that, to be honest, um, because I'll just plough on doing what I'm doing. Um, and um, I, I, I do know because um, because I've been painted that way. I mean, there would have been times when um, we, you know when 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 people might have preferred if I was if I was if I was um, uh, hung upside down on a crucifix outside of Situ and burned alive, you know, with a, a sign around my neck saying debt to informers." And that's to misread me, um, because if you look at my pattern since uh, the early 90s, I've been constantly taking on what I regard as uh, unhealthy, parasitic relationships of power, excess power, where it it resides. And the taking down of that excess power is a very, very important part of, 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 I suppose, what dissenters do.
0: Well, I say anyone outside the group think is welcome. Thank you for being my guest today on Yates and Sunday, Eddie Hobbs. Yates on Sunday on News Talk. Brought to you by SSE Electricity Business Energy. Proud to power businesses all over Ireland. Energy at work for you.